that is a good sign. Thank you everybody for, I don't know why this is the thing, but thank you all so much for joining us for um, another, you know, hope, I, which I know will be a good discussion um, around Ava DuVernay's 13th and uh, with the homies, like, and, um, you know, what we're trying to do here is ensure that people leave with more than just, um, you know, having participated in the discussion, but you feel empowered to go out and, um, and make a difference. And so uh, that's what this is, a virtual, because I see some newbies, um, just a virtual safe space. Um, so if you enjoy yourself, please uh, share it with your friends and colleagues, because um, that's really what we're trying to do here as educators in the space. So uh, I think we decided our current event for this week was going to be, yay, Yeezy, <laughs> Mr. West, Kanye. Yeah. Homeboy I'm... is certainly in a, in a, in a state. Um, and so he, if you don't know, he rattled off some tweets last night that were just troubling to view as just. I'm already saying it, a decent human being, like, obviously he's going through something, and it's just concerning, because it's been happening for a while, and, um, you know, Ari, I know you, you were about to, you were about to say something, so where do you, where do you see this? Um, I mean, I'm looking at the story now. Uh, to be honest with you, I almost, I almost didn't want to talk about this tonight, because i feel that he just needs mental help you know and I'm saying that in the most um um considerate way possible I mean I really think that's what he needs um you can just tell there's been like a crazy change in his behavior um I think over I think it's safe to say about the past 10 years um it's just been erratic it's been sporadic it's been bonkers um mm -hmm. I mean and and you know, it's okay. It's it's one thing to feel some way or to say like I believe this or I believe that, but <clears throat> you know, I think I think he's allowing himself to believe untruths because his mental state is not a good one, um, mm -hmm. and that's I think the most delicate way I can say that. Um, I did just look up that a lot of celebrities are trying to reach out and support him. I think. I read quickly that Halsey was tweeting, you know, I can relate to feeling this way, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think, um, what else was the other name I just read? Um, oh, Dave Chappelle went to go visit him. And, um, you know, but uh, I, yeah, I just, I, I really hope that Kanye, whatever he needs, gets it and is able to pull himself into a healthy mindset because he really is, um, a special person, an influential person, um, someone that helped shape music over, you know, as I was growing up and someone that I used to really, really enjoy and admire. So I'd like to yeah. see that return. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Um, Jess? I feel like, um, I mean, he's openly talked about having bipolar disorder. Um, and so I'm, I'm empathetic to that. Um, I think that for those of us with mental health concerns and issues, uh, 
none of us want to be judged by our worst day in dealing with those. But the, <clears throat> the fact of the matter is it's like, it becomes really challenging to just allow that to be um, a sweeping pass for behavior because that's also something that doesn't help anybody with mental illness, right? Like we are still responsible um, for what we say and do. And so, um, you know, he definitely needs help. He definitely needs a group around him that will hold him accountable in a loving way and get him to get treatment. Um, but I just feel like to understand bipolar disorder is to understand, you know, mania and depression and mania comes with hallucinations and it comes with, you know, and so like his behavior isn't, um, odd in that sense, but I just feel bad for the six like million other people in the world that have bipolar disorder. And he then becomes the example of what this looks like. Right. So it casts a shadow on other folks battling that. Um, and the fact of the matter is, it's like everybody, you know, has their own way of dealing or not dealing with things. And sure. we could never even begin to understand his actual reality. Um, and so right. to just presume that some things are a manic hallucination, it's like, I don't know if we can do that. Like every day we yeah. watch the news and, you know, Hollywood's wild. And so, you know, right. who's to who's to say what's true or not? I just think it's very telling the way that we react as a nation to Kanye versus Brittany, who both have bipolar disorder, uh, have mm. shared that, and are clearly going through something. Um, so I think that, yeah, I mean, that's what I gotta say. <laughs> that's what I gotta say, but I feel like that's its own episode. Um, yeah. Cause even, even the response to Kim, we talked earlier and you were like, she's not made a comment. She's nowhere to be found and we have, I'm saying we as a collective, not us, but have automatically presumed just Kanye is just batshit crazy, you know? And it's just, oh, there's no, and, and I'm not saying that there is truth in what I don't know, you know, but it, we were just so quick to write it off and so quick to laugh at it. Yeah. And he's, this is a call for help, you know? Mm -hmm. This is, he's crying for, I, I feel, for help. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really sad. Yeah, for sure. I think it would be worth doing um, an episode on uh, mental health in the Black community. Uh, I'd love to have Julius, Julius. right. I mean, I think he could really weigh in. That might be a good first guess. Yeah. Um, He's I'll smart. Put some, He's I'll put, he really is. Yeah. He really is. I, and, and I'm grateful for this. I'm just going to say this downtime. Uh, you know, I've been exposed to so many great people in Pittsburgh who are doing awesome work that I didn't really know of prior to this. So, I mean, he's one of those people that I got to, you know, get to put on to. Um, and he's raising lots of money for the organization and the work they're doing, you know, allowing, from what I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, if either of you know differently or more, um, that the money he's raising is going to folks who cannot pay for uh help mm -hmm. and to to see psychiatrists to see therapists to see you know all that stuff so um that's amazing um, yeah that that work is being done so i just i feel like that's a conversation if if we care about one thing you know we got to care about it all 
Yep. And, uh, you know, to your and, point, well, Jess, it, how we treat it differently between Brittany yeah. uh, and him. Go, and for those that don't know, Julius Boatwright is the founder of Steel Smiling, um, which is a nonprofit in Pittsburgh focused on mental health specifically between making mental health education, advocacy and awareness, as well as clinical uh, help accessible to folks. So they're like, they build bridges um, between community and health professionals. And he's phenomenal. Um, and he is a Pitt grad uh, and he okay. shares his own personal struggle with depression and anxiety. Uh, mm -hmm. So he works to diminish the stigma, especially for black men around uh, mental health. So it's a phenomenal organization. Um, he has a podcast too. Um, okay. He's having Michelle Williams speak. So he's like, I saw that. Yeah, she really happened. Yeah, she, she was I'm like, that's not right. Like, what? That's a big yeah. deal. That's yeah, he's deal. gaining he's gaining steam, which is exciting. Yeah, so that's I awesome. hope we're cool enough to hang with them. So I'll try. I'll ask. I'll see what we can come up with. You don't think yeah. that's a Are you we're gonna make a point of things? Um, I think I was just gonna quickly say um that it's just so major and important um because because mental illness I think affects the black community and communities of color in general differently. Um we just don't have the same access and you know, there's just those those same um I don't wanna call it excuses but I don't have a better word that wasn't you know we didn't have the luxury of those being an excuse for our behavior it was just yeah you know um yeah. so it's it's really important to change the stigma particularly um particularly in the uh black community for because, sure yeah um I mean and it's it's almost I saw an article not long ago that fathers through their sperm can pass down trauma like literal trauma yep. into the wow. DNA. And, you know, and when you think about that in generational terms and, you know, centuries, and then, you know, we have, it's PTSD is ingrained in our DNA at this point. Wow. Think about that, you know? So, um, yeah, it's, it's really big. And, and the work that, that Julian does is so necessary and um, um, really appreciated. He's doing a lot. For sure. So, yeah, that's awesome. That's one of the things Morgan and I were talking about on Sunday, how we have to get in it to make it better, right? Like we have to start doing the work. Uh, we were talking about um, doulas and midwives and mm -hmm. how black women, like we're always, and, and just that's how we respond to everything. Like I got into education because I didn't see faces that looked like mine. <laughs> so I'm trying to ensure that others can see it differently absolutely because um, we know what it's like to not have the representation we need to know that we can accomplish what we want to that's huge i mean that takes a huge role yeah in in anyone's life in particular a child you know i remember thinking i wasn't a princess or i wasn't free because there was no disney princess the closest one was pocahontas it came out years after i was born and she wasn't black that's just what I had. Back. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like, okay, well, we'll take what and, we can get. And that's not, I don't want to teach people that. I don't want to teach people to take what they can get. I understand some things have to be in small steps, but you deserve to take up space. Any human does. And the way that they naturally do. 
And yeah. so um, the representation, you know, aspect is huge. It plays a huge part because it's so necessary. I'm so, I'm actually grateful. I know a lot of black doctors and I don't wow. think that's something that a lot of people can say unless you work in, you know what I mean? I don't work in higher education. Um, I, I ain't going back to some school anytime soon. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's an, and it's an honor. It's a blessing to, to have that network of people, but yeah. I don't think that that's the reality for most, you know? Right. Um, so, so yeah. Whew, so it sounds like that should be a um, that should be a topic as well one of these nights. So um, we want to hear from you all. Thirteenth uh, is a powerful, powerful film. Um, I remember when I first watched it, I made the poor mistake of like watching it right before I was going to bed and had these like, and it was already like a rough day, <laughs> and I had these like range of emotions um, throughout the entire film. Uh, and so we'd love to hear your initial reactions uh, around it as we, maybe we talk about ours first um, and what we thought were some poignant things and then we go off of what you all have to say. Um, so please, in the, in the chat, please tell us what you, uh, what you maybe thought it was gonna be about and then um, we can, and then what you thought about it just in general. Let's, let's start there. So uh, just, what were your your initial thoughts? I feel like um, like from a production standpoint, as we were talking about earlier, I think it's incredibly well done. Um, she makes sure that the interviewees come from tons of different perspectives across both sides of the political aisle. Um, the way they're positioned, the use of graphics, the use of music, like everything is so thought out, um, which is striking because I think when a lot of us think about documentaries, a lot of them feel really um, raw, maybe more uh, amateur, right? And so sure. for this to be her sort of like intro into this work, like this was just incredible and I think because of that it's highly digestible for folks that aren't necessarily documentary buffs um, this isn't their particular genre they might not have had any inclination about uh, the prison industrial complex right and so I think it's super approachable for that reason um, mm -hmm. every time I watch it I get something new out of it this time around at where we are politically um, and socially, like as a nation, it was just, yeah, it, it hit different this time, but um, yeah. I feel like the most like prevalent themes throughout it for me are uh, mass incarceration as a replacement for slavery, the power of rhetoric um, and the power of the media. And um, so that just really resonates with me and I feel like that can be seen throughout. Um, but just the way in which this was able to start as, you know, essentially a response to the end of slavery and then transitioned into like political candidacy gain. Like it's just, it's, it's fascinating and disgusting at the same time. Right, right, right. 
quite the juxtaposition. Yeah. Um, Ari. Um, I completely agree. I think I, you know, I mentioned this last week. This is one of my favorite documentaries. Um, it's like Dr. Jeff said, highly digestible. Um, and it connects, I think like growing up, from my personal experience growing up, I knew a lot, not obviously not all of this information, but I knew the gist of most of this information um, because I grew up the way that I did with the parents that I have. Um, and as, as black folks, this is what, you know, this is what you know, this is your reality. Um, but to see it all laid out and explained in a way that I couldn't even articulate it as someone who's experienced, you know, living in America as a black person, um, it's almost like it takes the weight off my shoulders because this mm. explains it, if that makes sense. I was telling E. I earlier, want to hear more. <laughs> I was telling E earlier, um, I'm, it's almost going to, I'm going to make this a prerequisite whenever you start to have this like stressful conversations, right? Like, wait, hold on. Have you watched 13th? Because if you haven't, I just simply can't have this dialogue with you <laughs> like we have to have the same foundational standpoint in order to yeah. have a productive conversation and if you haven't done that or if you um you know and it's because this is one of those things whenever it's laid out for you the way that it is in the yeah. timeline that it is because yeah. everything is historically accurate there's mm -hmm. a reason why this happened and they tell you this happened yep. because this happened crime went up because the boomers were you know what i mean it, it just yep. um it lays it out for you in a way that honestly there's not an alter there's not an argument <laughs> you know um it's, she's it's just beautiful and and that's why i say it takes the work away because it's like mm. the work is always the reply you know what i mean what people are going to say to you well this that well blue lives matter well i know a whatever okay that's fine but just check this out you know what i'm saying because if bill clinton hadn't funded the police the way that he did we wouldn't be shouting defund the police right now you know, he's the one that made it all militarized and, and over the top. And they even said, I remember hearing like, wow, that's, that's wild. Even down to the smallest cities, the smallest yeah. suburbs, the smallest communities, you know what I mean? So, I mean, that was, um, it's just beautifully laid out. And, and that's what I mean by it takes the work away for me is from, from those arguments, from those standpoints. Why are all black people in jail? Why is this? Why not? I'm gonna tell. I'm not gonna tell you why, but you are gonna watch why. <laughs> you know, I don't have to have an yeah. argument. And so that it does. It's like, and that's why I think I appreciate it so much because it, it takes some of the stress and some of the workload off of explaining that. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a great point. That's a great point. And thank good goodness for art, right? And and these <sighs> mediums, right? Um, it just it it is able they are able to those who are genius in that in that way are able to break things down you know in a way that is you can't deny it um, right. and uh, you have to sit with it and be with it um, which then hopefully changes minds maybe not hearts but hopefully changes your mind at least gets you thinking and yeah. it at least gets you like okay maybe there is something out yeah. of whack and if we can get there like okay maybe we can get there yeah. then that means you're open to growing that's yeah. what that means so. <laughs> i just think about how um important it is to have 
dads in the home and how that was not happening because of this and it's not happening because of this right yeah. um the, the mass incarceration um and so yeah, and you that's know, why that's why i posted that video of that on my facebook of the dad with the little daughter and she doing cheerleading and stuff because mm-hmm. i'm just like those relationships are so important um but i digress but go ahead Ari sorry no 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 you're absolutely right and I think just to piggyback off of what Dr. Jess said earlier about you know mass incarceration taking the place of slavery that was a tactic that was used during slave times you know sell the man beat the man um um uh demasculate I guess the man um you know those are all taxes tactics that were used to break apart the black family unit and we still see those practices being done today through different resources yeah. um yeah and and so that's one of the things that the film connects and i think it, it's beautifully done um because you see the parallel there okay well we can't sell the men anymore we can't put them on a block and do a slave trade or an auction so yeah. you know we're just gonna what is the phrase um except as punishment for crime that's the one that they highlighted yeah we're just gonna criminalize them yeah for sure. Well, do you want to dive a little more into the mass incarceration piece? Yeah. Go ahead, Dr. Okay. Jess. Take it away. <laughs> we got Yesenia shared for her. It oh, was yeah. really connected the dots Ooh. on how government and politics weaponize race. My father is an immigrant, and after watching it, commented how Black Lives Matter and Black Rage or Resistance made so much more sense to him. Mm. Wow. That's awesome. That's huge. awesome. Makes me want to cry. That's huge. Whew. Yeah. And I I agree. We were talking uh, before this started just about the power of rhetoric and um, the phrasing that they use, like super predators, right? To design right. young, young, like we're talking like Central Park young, right? Like these are, these are still children. Um, and the fact that that's the terminology and we still see that today, right? with the conversations about crimmigration and and Mexicans, right? And the rhetoric that Trump was using around them as rapists. So it's the same tactics, right? It's the same sort of rhetorical strategy. And it's, it's we know it's dangerous. We know it right. literally costs lives and it just, it blows my mind. And especially because none of us are immune to it, right? Like the film, and we've seen it, like, there are women that are anti-feminist. There are black folks that are anti-Black Lives Matter, right? Because we all digest this inherently racist media um, and we're not immune to it, right? So if you're told right. consistently that black folks are super predators, specifically black men, black women start to believe that, black children start, you know, so it's just, we digest these things. And so yep. absolutely, like we use words as, as weapons in addition to the, the legitimate physical threat. Um, can, wild, wild. Can, um, will you tell me what you thought? Well, you know what I mean, but um, what you thought about the, mm, Nixon rep, the campaign guy who said, um, we knew that by taking weed and putting it with the hippies, taking crack and putting it with the blacks, you know, that, and then also, um, 
I want to say, well, can you, that part of that was the intentional, the wordplay that, you know what I mean? So how, how about that? Like the, this was intentional, but this wasn't something that was just, you know, they knew that they had to keep, keep the divide intact. Um, that's I'm trying to look for my quote. Right? Like, I think it's so telling about how America works, about how capitalism works, about how politics work. Like, you have to have the hierarchy. Like, we have to have people down and out to have, you know, someone rise to victory, right? And yep. um, Nixon and his, what was it, what were they calling it? Like, the Southern strategy or whatever? Yes, the Southern strategy. Um, so... And we see this with we see this with Trump, right? So he pulled poor white Southerners into the conversation, um, mm. into the Republican Party, right? So he literally got folks to switch party affiliation mm. out of fear, out of fear of black bodies. And mm -hmm. so when we saw different states flip for Trump, or we can't understand why poor rural whites could possibly vote for Trump because they're on assistance programs that him and his folks don't support. There it is, right? Like he, he had a platform based on hate and racialized fear. And so it's just like, what, when I was watching that, I was like, my God, Trump is the angry, sad baby of Nixon and Reagan. Like it is just like these things morph, right? Like, that's and and that's what I think is so um, telling about his "Make America Great Again." Yes, his his MAGA yes. saying, you know, like that's all ties in. Like you're talking about Reagan, you're talking about yeah. when it was really bad for people that look like me, right. you know. Mm -hmm. And um, I think whenever, I mean, it, I think at one point she even does have like Reagan saying, I am the law and order president, yes. like going back with yes. Trump, right? Like yes. it's the yes. same exact line. Yep. That's Thinly one of the veiled racial appeals. Yeah, yeah. That's mm -hmm. one of the quotes that stuck out for me because he was using that like the word like, like I use Tossamar and the word like, like he was just going back and forth with that, like you wouldn't believe. And he started using it again recently. So. To yeah. finally learn what that meant and the history of it, it was just, it was just um, pretty yeah. damning. <laughs> um, Barbara has a great point. Um, well, one, she wants to watch it again and take notes. You should. Ari and I both have like six pages of notes from this go round. Uh, yeah. So we're with you there. But she's specifically points out the segment on Alec was immensely informative and I was shook at just how politically influential Trayvon Martin has been in corporate lobbying. 13th is a very valuable piece for Republicans and conservatives, but particularly for leftists and liberals who think the blue party is above this. Let them know. Tell them about that bill segment. Let them know. Because he did. He did. I mean, they said the, the damage that Bill did was more damaging than what Bush, than what Reagan, than what Nixon had done altogether, you know? And, and that's telling because mm -hmm. Black folks were behind it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? That's that's what brainwashing does. That's wild. Right. right. Um, but so can we talk about Alec? Of course. <laughs> Alec, 
I like the joke they had in there. Like, um, Alex sounds like a drunk, you're drunk, uh, frat boy, whatever, <laughs> you know, there was like that, but, but unfortunately yes. it's something much worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was the joke, but, um, yeah. So Alec, um, the political lobbying group. So correct me if I'm wrong. This is what I took away from it. Um, this is what I, you know, um, have at, at least seen in my, my readings. Um, it's a private group where corporations, the owners of the corporations and politicians merge together to essentially drudge up legislation that benefits the donors and the companies and corporations that are a part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So. Capitalism. <laughs> capitalism. <laughs> the capital C. No, this, um, this segment was really hit for me because Trayvon Martin, I think I spoke about this before, was the case for me that made me really understand that the justice system is not just for Black people. Um, it is, you know, that case was just really, really, um, it, it rocked me to my core. It was just one of those things mm-hmm. I'm always, always, always going to remember. So to realize that Alec indeed wrote the legislation for Stand Your Ground, and it benefited Walmart, who was a part of Alec, mm-hmm. and whose CEOs still contribute to Alec, so mm-hmm. that Walmart would boost gun sales. Go ahead, Eve. What's the word? <laughs> Capitalism. <laughs> I mean, that is unbelievable. And then you see directly how that affects Black people. I mean, it is. I just, I, I, I think we all hear these like. <clears throat> horror stories of like super high powered private groups or you know they we know that money has influence and people buy influence and all that stuff but I did not know that there was a company or a group a private group that was able to bring together I mean and they said that they vote on this legislation the corporations and their owners vote as if they're politicians on this legislation because they see how it's going to benefit them on a monetary level. And it's just, that is so wild to me. Um, So I really appreciated how she put that together and how she even had that rep, um, that state representative, I believe it was a state rep, Um, you know, and and not really, well, no, we we don't want people in, in prison anymore. We don't want people um, you know, we don't want, we don't want to keep boosting the prison system. We're trying to, you know, set it up a different way. And, and, you know, then they started talking about the little ankle bracelet idea that they had. And, and there it is again, you know, that's not a solution. That's just a reinvention. It's just so much to take in. It really is. It's so much. And I think that's why I had the range of emotions when I first watched it. I was a little more calm <laughs> the second time because I knew what to expect. But I was like, holy crap. Like, I'm unknowingly participating in some of this bullshit. Like, <laughs> what? And 
if you look, whenever they're going through this segment, they tell you a lot of the companies and a lot of the corporations that are involved in Alec. I mean, it was like, I have AT&T. I had no clue. I had no clue. Yeah. It was AT&T. I think Verizon. Um, State Farm. State Farm. McDonald's. Boom. Like everyday things like, you know, and, and um, I mean, even there was definitely some pharma- pharmaceutical companies up in there too um it's just mind-blowing and it's really it's scary it scares me that's how that's how that happens you know um i feel like it like it's important to note though for folks that aren't familiar like lobbying organizations aren't inherently bad right so lobbyists are or lobby firms are advocacy groups that engage in lobbying, which is the practice of influencing legislators, regulatory agencies, or other instruments of government, right? So their whole job is to um, push, right? Push for their agenda. Higher ed institutions have lobbying firms, right? That's who went up against the latest push for ICE, right? Like to start banning visas. So lobbying firms aren't inherently gross, right? That's how a lot of stuff happens for, um, you know, policies surrounding human rights to be put into. Right, absolutely, absolutely. But um, Alec is so uh, frightening because it was just um, the epitome of American power because of capitalism, right? So it, <laughs> it is our... I, was, I didn't know if that was my cue. I was getting ready. Was, <laughs> it's um, because it's politicians and corporations, but not like even your average corporation. It is your mega corps that have monopolies, right, right in right. certain sectors. Right. And so to have the very few players at the table already and then to give them a huge say in our laws like that's when it starts to become terrifying because they shared that like one in four congressional reps are alec members right Mm. so that means that Mm. one in four congressional reps have most likely financial ties then to these mega right so it's like that's when it becomes because there are ethics related to lobbying you know and there are guidelines but as we know um those aren't always adhered to and that's when it becomes dangerous problem yep yep yeah okay james you raised your hand how does one acknowledge a raising of the hand i don't know what that means in zoom world do either of you know I don't know. Can you write a comment? <laughs> you mean like these um, little emoji? Like yeah. Was that a wave or was it a raising? I don't know. Yeah, you can wait. Like you can literally raise your hand in Zoom session. Um, oh, that means that they probably got something to say. Though. So yeah, I was. I I didn't want to interrupt you guys. Go for it. You go for it. So I mean, I kind of agree with what you're kind of saying. When you look at the previous stuff with the um, Supreme Court cases, when you look at personhood that we've given corporations this kind of untapped power and the ability to, I don't know, it's just, it's just unheard of. Cause if you take me as an individual who I will not have any, a 
not even a hundred, like a billionth of the amount of top money that Walmart will be able to push. And you give them that kind of corporate push and personhood, then they can, of course, make these lobbying super PACs that right. are going completely unchecked, that right. don't have to like um, go through any other system. And, and like you said, like it's this branding that we can't get away from. Like, like you were saying with before with the you know, mass incarcerations, well, that got bad PR, so well, uh, let's just put some ankle bracelets on it and we can right. still do the exact mm-hmm. same thing. Right, right. Because they, ultimately, it's the money. Well, okay, we're not making as much as money because it looks bad that we have all these big detention centers. Well, I still want to get money for having an individual like this, so let's just put them in a house. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then how is that going to shift? And then just to see the, the constitutional rights, I mean, kind of what we're, you guys are kind of hitting today with um, briefly with, um, with Trump and what he's been able to recently do with the DHS and yeah. being able to um, use them without necessarily using people's due process with the Fifth Amendment. That, that I think, is a truly unchecked and uncontrolled power if it's a left unchecked it can be truly devastating to the individuals right right i love the phrasing that you used of um humanizing or personifying corporations for the simultaneous dehumanization of folks of color right people (laughs) yeah of legitimate people so Mm -hmm. it is it's just it's fascinating what we will do in the name of money and law and order um and the expense that comes from that from the nation at large it's just yeah i mean that they're looking at a supreme court case that was made i I had to look it up a little bit because it's changed over time and because originally it's looking at i mean there wasn't this super pack kind of power and that that's been the way that people combat it is that we make these super packs to combat these corporations who've gotten this personhood so, you know, before corporations weren't allowed to give money to politicians. Well, mm-hmm. well, that's not good because corporations, whether they good, they're supposed to be a true neutral party. And so when they look at that, um, they're like, okay, well, they have interest for themselves with, say, Walmart. They need to build revenue. And one way that they can do that is by lobbying towards this, whether it be towards ammunition whether it be towards general food that they can put towards whatever they can lobby towards different ways. And I think as over time, and I'd have to look at all of it because it's been so long since my honor civics class. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's evolved into how to, and then it's just like almost this arms race. It's just like with viruses, mm-hmm. like, we, we make an we make a, a flu vaccine next year. It's not as effective. So we have to build a new one. So it's like we keep hitting this spot, but we're not looking at the true constitutional foundation and what we've created with layers and layers that we can't get away from because we've given these positions of power so much ability as a result of it, we'd have to tear each one down. Like you, like you said, like, all serving ten, like with the 13th amendment was supposed to free all the slaves. But then there is that the clause, um, mm-hmm. unless caught, unless by imprisonment. 
And that's kind of been the foundation, even from uh, the beginning with um, it, it transferred over from New England, I mean, from England to us, as when they originally were doing the colonies, they wanted to keep people there for a certain while. And in order to keep them there, you had to have them, let's say, as a debt originally. And then, well, how do I keep adding to this debt? Okay, well, we do this. Well, that eventually they got people out. Okay, well, now what do we do? And then that's how we kind of got that foundation to where we kind of have to look at the very bottom of this. We talk about this universal rights, but then we've had 400 years of just little clauses that people don't realize that make a huge impact. Yep. Absolutely. And you know what, I'd really like to tie in what you're saying specifically to um, the policing system, right? Because when we look at police, when we look at the foundation of that, we, that you're talking about of the policing in America, it was literally slave catchers. It was literally, mm -hmm. that is how policing in America started. So automatically, black skin was criminalized automatically right. and that's what we built the system on so seeing this today seeing where we started and understanding that and how we got here today it's understandable it's like almost expected because that's what we allowed this to be and that's why yes you're exactly right we have to dismantle all of these systems because they yeah. all hold each other up and that's why i out. love this documentary because she shows you how it does it in school how mm -hmm. it went from how it how it started how the media has kept pushing this agenda i mean yeah. birth of a nation's debut was at the white house the image that brought the burning cross to the kkk was so with this image this this film was so impactful and i think they even said glorified romanticizes the word they use the kkk yeah. it was yep. shown at the white house mm -hmm. and and what did he call it there was a quote that they said in the movie too they said he called it um lightning on film or something yeah. like that you know it, it, that's our foundation mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. where we started you know so um it, it's really really important to understand the context of everything and how it's truly affected people. Oh um. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like Barbara's point real quick again about Alec. Um, well, I guess we're still on top of that. About that part where uh, the politician got called out for not even talk, taking Alec's logo off the bill, I which know. was crazy. <laughs> James, uh, thank you so much for your point and weighing in on that. I really, we we, we really appreciate it. But yeah, that thanks, just, James. I mean. And it didn't matter. Let's see. They were like, oh, don't worry about it. We're, we're, we're at the meetings too. <laughs> he was like, why are you even asking? It's my bill. Right. <laughs> That's what he said, essentially. I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. And I got in trouble for not being prepared with my paper. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> Rude. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that. Um, and to James' point, we do not know our history. No. And I'm that's me, that's me included. I feel like I should know way more than than I do. But I'm trying to make a point to read as much as I possibly can now. Um, because when we don't know our history, history repeats itself. Hence 
the like Nixon stuff with doing it 45. Right now. I refuse to yeah. say his name. Um, the occupant of the White House, anything but um, his actual name. So it's like, I, I didn't know that until, you know, I watched this. So, um, yeah. But I, I mean, I don't, I think that's what they're counting on, right? Like the system yes. was built to give us blinders. And yeah. even the, um, so like, obviously this film shows the more like insidious ways in which uh, our system was built to hide things under the guise of safety and law and order and like insert whatever mm-hmm. bullshit yeah. here. But if you think of even the positive uh, ways in which our nation talks about these things like melting pot and this facade of meritocracy that like no matter who you are and what you are, like you can work your ass off and, you know, all will be rewarded, right? And, And so it's like we have, we have demonized otherness and different to a point where you know it's a weapon but then it's also like it becomes a taboo right so even the folks that aren't Mm. actively seeking to to hurt people um we still are like afraid to point out differences so then we're like oh well we're all the same well we're not the same i don't see color right right but that is like it's it's blinders just of a different kind right so if i don't see it i don't acknowledge it um and so that's just how that's how our education system was built that's how all of this happens and so that's why when shit goes down now which i thought it was fascinating when they were talking about Emmett Till's mother having an open casket to show people what that looked like to have her son brutally murdered. Um, the evidence of, you know, slave Gordon with his, you know, whipping marks on his back, images of lynchings going public. Like it wasn't until that point in time that, you know, hundreds of visitors to these sort of events and exhibits were able to see these things. And that's when the conversation starts. And then we forget about it for a while, you know, and then the next death happens. And so now I feel like we're in that cycle. Like Trayvon Martin was how many years ago? And now we have George Floyd and everybody's like picking it up again. But these things didn't stop happening. We just have more ready access to cameras. And so it's like people's blinders are being forced off. Yeah. And so now it's like, how are you responding to that? If you are at all. Right. And so I thought that that was that I feel like that is also something that I get from this documentary. Right. It's like the the passive racism, the like, oh, well, we know this lobbying firm exists and we know this. But, you know, over here or, um, you know, not questioning the media that you're digesting and everything. It's like that passive behavior is just as dangerous and so i i thought that there were so many things that they alluded to or specifically called out in the documentary that like we're still seeing today because we can't have authentic conversations about race across the board right right that's a great point back to my own experiences we're talking about the education system and um yeah i enjoyed the trips to falling water ohio pile 
But y'all should have been taking us to Andy Warhol. Like, y'all should have been taking us to the museums to learn some stuff that you can't learn. And yeah, you know, you it's cool to go and experience those things. You you hear what I'm, the point I'm trying to make. Take us to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like, I was in college when I found out about um, Elvis stealing every, like, Black people's stuff. Like, what? I was like, oh, no, not the king, too. Not and, the king. And- and he's been quoted as saying, the only thing a black woman can do for me is make a sandwich. Okay. Uh, so straight like butter that. Butter and banana. Yeah. Straight like that. Straight like that. Um, yeah. So how do we... But, but they wrote that music, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why? And you know what? It's funny. Just as a social experiment, I... Okay. Just a social experiment, guys. Honestly, bear with me. But I, I like to ask my white friends, who's more famous, Elvis or Michael Jackson? I always say Elvis. Always. And I'm like, really? Really? I don't know what he did that was so great. I don't know. But that's his legacy. I mean, I guess. Michael's but whatever. photography is just disgusting. It's so long. I mean, but I think even on just a world, like a global level, I mean, he was like, right? I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. We'll, talk but, about we'll have a music day. Let's have a music <laughs> day. Um, should we, people, what people are now able to create their own reality. Yeah, I've thought of censorship by media sites is truly scary. 100%. Uh, I feel like that's worth a discussion too, friends, is like, we kind of got into it on the first episode of like, it's important to understand where you're getting your media from. Oh, yeah. And that's why I'm an advocate for what? I'm so sorry. What'd you say? No, I, I, I just wanted to reword where you're getting your news from. Like, Wendy Bell ain't it. Right. <laughs> right. Just space. I mean. Just space but, to be out. But you'd watch a Candace Owens show, right? Mm-mm. I'm sorry. Yeah, I had to. I'm sorry. No, but honestly, I do think it's important to take in various uh, channels, various means of media, I guess, or, you know, um, just different, different ways to take it all in. Because one, you have to assess what you believe, you know, you have to know how you feel and truly, you know, yeah, um, but then <clears throat> it's important to know what other people are saying so that you can firmly stand on why you feel the way you do and I'm one of those people I don't like being wrong <laughs> <laughs> don't like it ask Joey <laughs> I hate it um in fact his what his annual being right happened last week so we good for the rest <laughs> of the year <laughs> on your calendar no but um um, so I like to know all the facts. I like to know as much as I can so that I can make a clear and level-headed decision so that I know exactly why I'm saying what I'm saying. I can back yeah. it up. And so, you know, cause people will always try to shake you or say one of the big things, um, one of the big, the, the biggest like pushback comments that I get is, um, well, black people there, why are so many black people in jail then? You know? And it's like, or, or I have a, Here's a good one. I have, a, I as a white person have a better chance of getting shot by the police than a black person does. 
that's because black people make up 13% of the population, right. Karen, you know? <laughs> so, and, and those things go out the, the wall whenever you don't have the full story. And let's be honest, in this day and age, you're not going to get the full story from one news outlet. You're they just right. not. Right. Everything's biased, even the liberal stuff. I mean, I watch yeah. MSNBC, but they're, bi- I mean, like, you know, oh, yeah. I, clearly they have an agenda. I happen to support the agenda, but (laughs) I I also think it's important not to get swept up in that. Right, right, exactly. Too much Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even to the point about um, systems of oppression benefit from our collective historical amnesia, they're never going to take us to museums that teach us our history. But just on the 15th of July, um, the Washington Post had the article about the Smithsonian Museum of African-American Culture. And we find out that there are inherent, uh, there are cases of inherent racism and prejudice there, but also they don't have a single black curator there. So it is, yes, it is a museum on black. I did not know that. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. So they have not only these cases about the treatment of museum staff, which is predominantly white, but there are no curators of color in general or black curators. And so the complaints from the few black employees, right, became obviously popular. So, um, even these systems that we as a nation have, especially the Smithsonian, right? Like that is not your down the street. Not that there's anything wrong with the Carnegie Museums. Like I love, I love the museums. Yeah. <laughs> I love museum people. But these things that we uphold as like the truth, and we were all so excited that we finally have a museum for black history, but the white man is still running this shit, right? So it's like, there have been arguments about the setup of their displays and everything from the jump. But now we find out like, well, white people were curating it. So there's that lens of whiteness over it. Right. So everything is, is watered down is, is not so thinly veiled. Right. With this sort of, with whiteness, with this master narrative. Um, And so, you know, even, even if the schools take the field trips, to DC to go right like there is still that layer there I'm tired. Um, and right. it, yeah it's 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 insane and it's oh, dangerous wow right wow it, well didn't Oprah and uh, Tyler Perry and all them have a hand in that they were donors they fund- yeah they were funding so why didn't they I feel like that's something they should have thought of Especially Tyler Perry. Well, even Oprah is a, a network owner. Uh oh, wait. You like Tyler Perry? Uh, <laughs> um, listen, you got to be in the mood for Tyler. We just watched Four Colored Girls. Joey had never seen it. And I was like, come on down, sit here and watch this with me real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all should have seen his face, man. He was like, he was like, so I'm I'm filled up. I have my dose of uh, Tyler right now. You know, um, yeah. you just gotta be in the mood for it. It's always I'm intrigued. Very, and I hate to put the color purple in this category, but I get the <laughs> oh my life, like you know, and it's just like I don't want to deal with all of that all the time. 
And I understand that our struggles need to be documented and need to be depicted sure. on film, you know, and through that, that way of art. But um, for Black people who are the main, um, the main audience of, of his work, um, sometimes that's tiresome. Yeah. Sometimes that's tiresome. It's a little bit too much for me to handle, especially as a Black woman when, you know, that's the story. It's yes, just, Barbara. Black suffering is not the only Black narrative. You right. Especially for Black women. Black women in love. And that seems to be his theme. Like, you got to suffer through some that's love. I don't like that, dude. Yeah, man. commentary on women, Black women is, that's what troubles me. Yeah. <laughs> and always play it one. I was just saying, he likes to dress up as one, which, like, play him. <laughs> I mean, that's how he got to where he is. Lord, you right. That's an episode two. Yeah, come on now. Oh, man. Crazy. I can't, like, I just, I refuse. I just can't get behind him for that. Very, like, his whatever with Black women is just, I... Well, because it's still love, the, it's still like the fairy tale trope, right? Like it's yeah. still at the end of the day, like these women need to like suffer and find a man yeah. to then achieve. You know, it's still yeah. Kimberly, the Kimberly Lee one uh, with Pretty Boy, Diary of a Mad Black Woman. Yeah, I can come on more. I love the one with uh, yes, Mister mm. um, Shama. Oh Lord, and then um. <laughs> <laughs> the one with Gabrielle Union and uh, oh, Daddy's Little Girls, Idris. That I, that one I loved. That one's a good one. China McLean's in that too. Okay, China McLean, the younger. Yeah, she's like grown now. Yeah, she now she's on um Instagram, killing it on Instagram and TikTok and TikTok. Yeah, I follow. Yeah, her we got. Well, I mean, we didn't get off topic, but it is nine oh three. I just want to be sensitive to folks. Goes <laughs> by so uh, fast. This is an important conversation. I mean, you know, do you think this needs a part two? Should we follow up? I feel like people have had more to uh, say, but I feel like we also hit on those good points. I feel like Jess and I got through maximum two pages of our notes. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel but, like our notes also will translate to many other conversations. So. For sure, for sure. This, what do we want um, to tackle next week? Point. Say it again, e. What do we want to tackle next week? Any audience requests? I mean, based off of this, it sounds like, uh, what was I thinking? Media? Right? Yeah. Maybe, or, okay, I'm down with media. What you thinking, Ari? Um. Because we can talk about your boy, Nick. Oh, or that, or that. Kicked off the media. Or that. Um, I was actually thinking, like, so for me, thirteenth left off at kind of um, is America ready to face its history? Are we really going to continue down this path? Um, hold on. Oh, and they spoke briefly. They didn't use this language because I think this rhetoric just kind of, sort of, like, started growing and emerging. Um. But essentially, they were saying, you know, defund the police. They said it much more eloquently. So they said, um, it's punishment. Hold on. It's punishment versus correction. Mm. 
that's what the system does, right? So, um, and that leads me to understanding how we can better use our funds for social issues, which then boost economic issues rather than militarized police. Oh, I'm here for that. But that's a heavy one, and I'm totally down for Nick, and I'm totally down for um, um, media. That's a huge one. I get all into it. Y'all know I went to school for communication studies, so. Media. That's always a, a close one. And this is a great way to segue into that, oh, because, I mean, the birth, of the birth of the nation, I mean, that, and, and hold on, what did Homegirl say? She said something about um, Black folks are overrepresented in the news and in the media as criminals based on the FBI statistics. Right. So, you know, the media plays a huge part in this. Truly. I'm, I'm, I'm down. Whatever you guys want to do, you know, I'm down. All right. Media for sure. Michelle Alexander. I need, I need to read the new Jim Crow. Michelle Alexander. My mom been telling me about that book forever. She's got a cool She's Like, you need to read it. You need to read it. It's good, though. Yeah. She's got a cool ass name, you know. Hey. Hey. Yeah, she's dope. I try if people don't know me, I'd be like, yeah, that's my auntie. <laughs> Why not? Try that. Not. Try that. Um I could be convinced to go either way. I, maybe maybe that um we could save media for the week after. It might be nice to roll right into um Defund the police. I like how you're saying that. Sounds like move. <laughs> um, that's essentially uh, where she left off. I mean, in my opinion, I think that's what she was trying to say. A smooth transition. We go with Ava. Wouldn't it be cool? I I, I still want to tweet her. I'm going to tweet her after this and be like, yo, Ava. <laughs> right? So what, we just hosted this group. There were like 11 of us in there. <laughs> I was gonna say so tune in tomorrow. <laughs> You're free. Love, like in my own like dream little world, I'd love to have Kimberly Latrice Jones on. Like I feel like oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I'm just such a fangirl of hers now. Um I think Brittany Pack Yeti. She like liked, my, she liked my Instagram post when I uh, quoted her on my Instagram. I, I thought I would, I, for, I felt seen. <laughs> so hopefully one day we're cool enough for them to slide through on one of these because that would be dope. AF. Uh, my, my pick would be uh, <laughs> get zoomed. If I, if I can't pick Beyonce or Michelle Obama. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, hey, no, here's the high hopes, right? Here's the believing in it. But um, <laughs> um, I love, I, and I'm so sorry, I forget her name. Um, the woman who um, started the Me Too movement, who was on the cover of Time. She was like Time's oh, person of the year. She was just, um, I she's, so, I can't remember her name. I'm so sorry right now. She was at um, August Wilson. Is it Sandra? Tarana, Tarana Burke. Yep, yep, yep. Tarana Burke, thank you. Okay, hold on. Okay, are we done? Because I'll keep talking. Mom, you did not have to put me on blast like that. That's rude and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> Yo, we should do a mom's episode and have- No, we shouldn't. She just, mm -mm. she didn't even get the phone working. Get out of here. I'm so mad well, at you, mom. What's interesting <laughs> is as, as moms and like women and like how they've dealt with stuff, 
Like, mm-hmm. my mom, the more we've been talking about, <laughs> I love you, boo-boo. Yes! The more we've been talking about this, like, as she knows I'm having these discussions, she's been, like, remembering stories uh, that she's like, you know, I had a, it was another teacher friend in the district. Her daughter was trying to become a principal. And, you know, mom was, uh, mom, my mom was a principal, for those who don't know. And she, white girl, never really wanted to take my mom's advice or really her leadership, Hmm. but wanted her to sign off on her hours and stuff like that. Um, And so she's like, I I know it was because of my skin tone. And it it was just, it's interesting to hear her. That's a story, you know, and she and I are thick as thieves, as y'all, both of y'all know. And so that's a story I've not heard before. And so, yes, Mama Michelle, she'd be out there in the Snapchat streets sometimes. Um, but she'd be snapping, she'd be trapping. And that was a student who didn't want to do that? I missed that part. Or was it a yeah, colleague? She, like, she was, so when you go to get your principal papers, you know, you're, um, yeah, you've been in, you've been in teaching probably for a while. And then you, you go for that. Right. So she was like studying, I think, for, or getting, working towards that certification principal you teach for five years and then you okay. can go up for your principal cert so she she was like she was definitely feeling some type of way i was like wow wow and it's those covert things that like make you question yourself they truly do make you think you're not good enough and it changes yeah. it could change the trajectory of your life Okay. It's damaging. Yep. It's damaging. We yep. have to stop doing that. Yeah. That's wild. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe a mom's a mom's episode would be pretty cool. I think that would be dope. I gotta. I gotta give my mom. T- you can't say certain things. Tell <laughs> me, mom. You can't tell them all. I'll give her talking points. <laughs> Racial identity development. Oh, that would there be a go. great conversation. Oh, <laughs> there you go, mom. <laughs> okay um i think that uh next week we talk about um, and people are still hanging with us that's cool (laughs) um i think next week we move into um defund the police okay because i'm you know again all it's just all this stuff is connected capitalism i know (laughs) it is it all comes back to it that's why it's wild to see them as individual systems. But then whenever, that's what, I mean, you can say it all night. That's why whenever she laid everything out in 13th, it was just everything. like, wow, 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 wow. She made, it so, she made it so plain. And you're still able to draw your own conclusion. Yeah. You know? That's a good, that's the mark of a good teacher. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. A good director, awesome. a good, you know, um, I was about to get I think it's. I think it's also that she has the experience of a black person you know i think that 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 lens because it's so overlooked yeah we tell our stories when we tell our own stories somehow they're told the right way somehow they resonate with us imagine something about representation i don't know some type of term i've heard before i don't know (laughs) weird well well all right, I'm right. Just gonna get silly. I told people I'd be on Instagram live after this, so. Oh. 
go go get your go get your people, boo. Take care of the the IGers. We are the world. Have you started watching Indian matchmaking on <laughs> Netflix? I don't know why this was important. I just saw it in <laughs> No, uh uh-uh. uh. It's a very fascinating show. Is it? Indian right, matchmaking. Recording at this point.